You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob and Ty Bo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Ty Bob, joined by Ty Bo and Sean. Joining us on a Victory Tuesday, or if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it's still a Victory Wednesday. Kansas City Chiefs come away with a win against the Las Vegas Raiders 30-29 to in what is potentially... One of the most ridiculous games we have watched. Tybo was there and will definitely be coming back to him to get a few stories of what sounded like a wild night. But first, he's got a top five for us. Yeah, and the game was electric. We will we will get to that. Um, but we we dug down in some of the suggestions uh, for what I should do for top fives, um, and I I chose. I chose to go with the top five nicknames in football history. And I thought it was fun, uh, you know, kind of in honor of Zeus, uh, Travis Kelsey, who went off yesterday. Um, absolutely monster game. He's 33 years old, having a career game. He's, he, he looks like he's a little boy in everybody that's playing defense out there. Aside from, you know, Derwin James getting a little bit of leverage against him, you know, Travis Kelsey – you know, there's not enough you can say about him. But uh, there are so many good nicknames in the history of the sport that I have uh, my top five and some coming at you. Best nicknames there ever were in the sport of football. So I got three honorable mentions. And I'll start off with the first one, Elbert Icky Woods. And his prominence in the nickname game is because he created the icky shuffle. (laughs) Everybody, you know, eighties, nineties, like paid homage. Everybody did the icky shuffle. Primetime did the icky shuffle. Like he created a touchdown dance and he should definitely be mentioned when you're talking about NFL nicknames. He's, he's in our history books. Another honorable mention I got, Megatron, Calvin Johnson (laughs) was a freak athlete and he definitely deserved the name Megatron. Um, I think, no, it wasn't Optimus Prime. Richard Sherman was given some really dumb nickname that I think was Transformers related, but nobody earned the nickname like Calvin Johnson did. And to to be the the villain of, of the of the series, you know, the villain of Transformers world, you know, that just, there was a meanness to it. You know, he was, he was nasty. He, you know, he really lived up to that name because nobody wanted to cover him and you couldn't cover him because they would put three dudes on him and he'd still go up and grab it. Uh, Megatron was, it's just one of the dopest nicknames there is. My last honorable mention, I got William Perry, the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a perfect nickname because the man was the size of a refrigerator and like a refrigerator he was hard to move um you know fantastic offensive lineman i personally haven't you know seen him play a whole lot but i've i've heard the stories i've heard people talk about him uh the refrigerator great nickname as well moving into the actual top five some of these names on this list, some of the nicknames might surprise you, but it's my taste. 
So my opinion. But number five, I got Cadillac Williams. All right. That is a dope nickname for a running back. Yeah. He was all right. He wasn't the greatest running back, <laughs> but the nickname on point, my friend. I I would trade for him in Madden franchise just to have the running back on my team named Cadillac Williams. That speaks for itself. Number four, Greg the Leg. <laughs> <laughs> there there is no better nickname no better you know what's the it's not alliteration but it's 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 the whatever word where they the words sound the same in the middle um but to be able to scream that as a fan and when your kicker comes on the field uh, <laughs> either at home or in the stand greg the leg <laughs> like <laughs> that's I want him on our team just for that. So uh Greg Delake for sure. Uh number three. We've got the red rifle. Andy Dalton. Stop <laughs> it. That's hilarious. Especially in those uh, Bengals uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, say what you want about the quarterback, but the, the the name is perfect. Uh, he takes that helmet off, and that hair is just bright. Like, <laughs> red rifle, number three. All right. Number two, I, I don't know if I had ever heard this nickname before doing my research. I want to know if you guys have heard it before. The Albino Rhino. Uh, a guy named Carl Mecklenburg. That uh, Carl Mecklenburg sounds familiar. I've never heard the albino rhino. Albino rhino. Is he a fullback? He's a linebacker for the Denver Broncos. All right. But, I mean, bleach blonde hair, looks like he has no eyebrows. The the, the albino rhino. (laughs) I like it. Great nickname. Yeah. And you know where it's going. You know what number one's gonna be. This other other entities have have put on contests for the best nicknames. People have voted on this nickname. It's the Nigerian Nightmare. We bring it home to Kansas City. Christian Okoye, the Nigerian Nightmare, was a nightmare for defenses. Would run over everybody. Was just the typical bruiser back of the old days. Christian Okoye, the Nigerian Nightmare, makes number one. Those are my top five and some nicknames in the nfl it's a fantastic list fantastic list fantastic i I think there was one miss there because you want to go greg the leg and i was i was quickly reminded of one that would be right up your alley with your taste dicker the kicker dicker the kicker who (laughs) who is that (laughs) i believe his name I, i could be getting the first name wrong but i believe that's eric dicker former texas longhorn kicker now in the NFL. Oh my God. Dicker uh, he, the kicker. He's in the NFL right now. I believe he's in the NFL. I think I he heard missed his one. name called on Sunday. Yeah, he missed one. Philadelphia Eagles. There you are. Dicker the kicker. <laughs> he has to make a slight new change. This is the new honorable mention right here. <laughs> he yeah. now has nine. I still think yelling break the leg sounds better than Dicker the kicker. 
I, I think so. I agree with like that. short, sweet to the point. Yeah. This guy's going to boot it through the uprights. For sure. Like he struggled with that lately, though. So, yeah. We're not, we don't need to talk about that. Quick the leg! Quick the Well, on to a little bit of somber news. Obviously, the Chiefs win, but we did come out with a few injuries from the game. We have lost Tershawn Wharton for the entire season. He has torn his ACL. He is done and out. Chris Lamons did go out of the game with an injury, mainly a special teams player. Um, he's questionable. Don't really know the status of that. We'll find out. Mike Dana has been out for a few weeks along with Harrison Bucker. Bucker, we know, was kind of really expected to come back this week. I think it was a last-minute call to bring up um, Wright to be the kicker on on Monday, uh, kind of give maybe Harrison Bucker a little bit of rest to be ready for the Bills game. That's going to be huge, and we are going to need him for sure. Uh, Dana, day-to-day, we'll kind of have to see how that one continues to go. And then Trey Smith, uh, I didn't even know he was inactive uh, I just saw Fat Boy Allegretti out there, um, and and then I find out on Twitter that uh, that Trey Smith has a pec issue. When was that released? I I totally missed that. I know he was out on on Friday for practice. He did oh. not practice. I completely missed that. I'm not sure how, uh, but he's. But I didn't even know halfway to the second quarter that I was like, "Hey, Trey Smith's not out there." I did not pay attention to any injury report. You texted tonight. Uh, there's a slight, there's a slight update in like the mid afternoon on Monday about him. Because he's going to be out, but it was lost in the, all the other news going on. So, yeah, you had texted midway through. I think it was the second quarter, and I was like, "Oh, Fat Boy Allegretti is out there." Um, because I, I guess I should have known sooner because the offensive line in the first half was just god awful. Um, it was rough. One of the other pieces of information is kind of somber, kind of not, kind of funny. Um, the cameraman for uh, I don't know who he works for. I, he could be some Filed random stranger down there uh, in, in a yellow vest. He the 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 cameraman at the end of the game that Devontae Adams has pushed over has now filed a police report. Now, I'm if I'm that guy, I'm chasing the bag too. Uh, but Devontae Adams did come out and apologize immediately after to the press. Um, he like stopped all their questions and did apologize. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, I would assume that he does get suspended one or two games. Obviously, if the NFL is going to stay consistent, they could put that in the assault category and go with six games. They most definitely will not stay consistent as they typically don't see the Willie Gay situation. Um, but that was, that's odd, right? We've now in two weeks in a row, we've had, um, non-player personnel on the field, uh, being injured by players hitting them. Obviously this week with the cameraman, the last week with the streaker who got completely depleted, knocked out. What were his injuries? Do you know? Not released. Oh, uh, the cameraman, the cameraman did state in his police report that he sustained injuries, did not need to call an ambulance, set up a private ride to the hospital where he then did file <laughs> a, a uh, police report with the police at the hospital. So. So I obviously did. You, you couldn't see it at the game. 
Like, I mean, unless you were like at the tunnel, honestly. Um, but so when I read about it, I thought I was going to see a video of like a cameraman shoving a camera into Devante's face, but he looked like he just made a poor decision on trying to like run to the other side of the tunnel and just really bad timing. Yep. Um, you can't, can't do that if you're Devonte, but like I honestly thought I I was almost about to be on Devonte's side because like if a if a cameraman is shoving a camera in your face after you just lost a game, like what are you going to expect? Yeah, I mean I I don't obviously it's not the way you want to handle yourself. Um, at the same time, you can't necessarily be too mad at him. Um, it wasn't like it was a hard push. The guy was already kneeling and was basically on the ground. There's no way he sustained any injuries, realistically, when you look at the video. Um, and yeah, like like you said, Tybo, like he, I don't even know if he was trying to go across the tunnel. He came from Devontae's right behind him, got in front of him by about three or four feet, got down into a squat position to start recording him. Devontae is somberly walking and then just stops, push it, literally stops, pushes him over, and then walks into the locker room. That's not a good look for Devontae whatsoever. No, not at all. But uh, that just goes to show that there were only two people that could play defense on Devontae last night. That was the cameraman and Hunter Renfro. <laughs> he put the slightest move on Brian Cook. On, a, on Cook's only assignment is to stay deep. Like, take his little fake. Like, you stay behind him. And he just froze him. He stood in his tracks and watched that man run by him. But I mean, that's what you get when you try to you try to have rookies cover the best wide receiver in the game. It's really funny because you had texted us. Brooke uh, uh, Cooks missed his assignment there. You literally were able to watch the play, finish, watch it finish happening. Send me a text message, and I still had seven seconds before the play went off on my TV. <laughs> You texted Somebody's me and I was streaming. like, all right. <laughs> I was like, all right, great. I mean, hey, YouTube team <laughs> usually not that delayed, but boy, was it. Um, anyways, I feel let's... for him. I feel for Brian Cook, but like it was a it was a it was a small move, and because of his assignment, he it should not have affected him. And it just froze him in his tracks. I mean, to be fair, most people are probably getting frozen in their tracks when Devontae Adams throws any type of move. It doesn't matter if it's two yards in front of you or 30 yards in front of you. You're waiting for that man to move, and it's already too late when that happens. Like, he's just a little bit slower than Tyreek. Tybo would cover him. That's not what I'm saying. That's not. Tybo also said he could get 50 yards rushing in the NFL. I'm 50 so, if I got a good offensive line, I'm fine, dog. Was like, it 50 carries know, or I was can, it 25 carries? 25 carries, two-yard carries. <laughs> I got a grinded-out coach sure. that's just trying to run the clock down <laughs> and not get first downs. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a two-yard penalty in there to give you a first down. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. All right. Well, this was most definitely a game of two halves. Tybo, you were there in the stadium. Give me what you saw 
and what the crowd reaction was the entire first half leading up to the Chris Jones and the, the, the Chris Jones situation. And then the, the players going into the tunnel um, at halftime where you saw beer cans being thrown at the Raiders team as they were going in for half. So the end, I mean, there was other stuff. There was, there was a report of someone yelling the N word at, at one of, one of the Raiders players. So, uh, I mean, we know, Arrowhead has some of those fans. They do not speak for all of us, but you know, I also saw a fight on the uh, at the like the first level from from up at the third level that my whole section was like looking down over the railing, and we I don't even know if it was like a Raiders fan and a Chiefs fan. It looked like it was it was all Chiefs. It looked like there was nothing but red in this mob, and security had a hard time breaking it up. So, I mean, like I said on the preview, it was hostile and it was much louder than the Chargers game. And it was, it was because of the refs, but it was much louder than the Chargers game. And it wasn't that way in the first half because the Raiders stunned us. We got loud on defense like we usually do, but the through until, until we scored the, 10 points going into halftime like the I mean it wasn't arrowhead it wasn't loud it wasn't we were just looking in disbelief at the lack of offensive line play the lack of offensive production and you know the Raiders were doing we couldn't stop the run game the Raiders were doing whatever they wanted on offense but the moment the moment we score in the second half you know, it, it started to feel more normal. It started to feel like Arrowhead, you know, some of us had, some of us got real down, but the, the true fans know it, you know, we can score 28 points this quarter. Um, but yeah, that, and we got even louder when we heard the ref basically crying. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> heard the clip now, but to hear that in real time, we were like, are we is serious? Like, <laughs> and it just added the it added fuel to the fire. My ears were literally ringing when I got home. I uh, it's that had the the second half of that game kind of had the atmosphere of the Chiefs Bills game last year. You know my 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 legs are sore from standing the whole time, and my ears were ringing. So I mean, could have been one of the loudest I've ever heard Arrowhead Stadium because the calls were egregious. And Pat was pissed off, so the crowd was was fueled off of him, and they ended up getting fueled off of us. So I mean, it was a beautiful thing to watch, but a tighter game than I know everybody was hoping for. So, what was it like in the stadium whenever uh, Chris Jones got called for that roughing the passer? Did you know that it was a fumble at the moment, or what did that look like? I don't think, at least I couldn't tell that Chris Jones had the ball in his hand. I was focused on the ridiculous call. And I mean, you watch it live, you watch it in slow-mo, you see pretty much the same thing. Like there's no, there's no added force. Like it's just, you can't, you know, if he puts his arms out to brace himself, like you risk like breaking your elbow, like it's just a football tackle. And 
you know, when, when a crowd is booing, you know, that's usually not the loudest point. Like boo is hard to make real, real loud compared to just like yelling. But that was some of the loudest booing I have ever freaking heard because the, I mean, Arrowhead was coming for their throats. I didn't think the refs were going to make it out into the tunnel for halftime, let alone out of the stadium when the game was over. Um, uh, we've seen the play over and over and over again. We can obviously tell sitting there watching on the screen that the ball is out. Looking at it from a, especially like your perspective, you're seeing it just like an NFL ref does, knowing that the rule is if you land with 100% of your or more than 50% of your weight on the quarterback, would take the take the fumble out of it. Do you think that would be a correct penalty based upon the rules if there's no fumble? I didn't even know that they got that specific like you can't land with 50 percent of your it's like 50 or 50 to 75 percent it's one of the two you basically have to land on like when you take the quarterback down you basically both have to land on your side or you have to land with the quarterback on top of you or the quarterback goes down and you go down somewhere else if you go down like you cannot land with your body weight, full body weight on the quarterback. That is the rule. So there's like there's natural football situations where that penalty is supposed to get called every time. Yeah. Chris Jones. So, so taking the fumble technically out of it, by the rules, is, I mean, but that's a I mean, for God's sake, man, it really yeah, shouldn't that, be. That, it shouldn't be that hard. But no, there. And, I, and think, it's I think be we were also. I, I'm almost positive. Uh, uh, Pat got whipped down just like Tom Brady did. And I think that happened before that shitty call. It did. And so we were, we were like, how does that not get called? But then you're going to call this pussy ass call. Like, oh, I agree. I was livid. I had a Broncos fan over that was livid. I had a Broncos fan down in Oklahoma text me and, and they were livid. Uh, everybody was not happy. Um, Sean, sitting at home, what were some of the key points from the first half that you saw? Some of the key points were we got exposed on, in the secondary. Rashad Fenton was clearly exposed. He got beat multiple times. He just did not look good. Pass interference calls. Uh, Clyde was not running the ball very well. And they didn't want to keep running the ball with him. So that was interesting. And we really started heating up whenever Jarek McKinnon came on, busted that 30-yard run out, and actually gave us some life on offense. That was before we scored the first touchdown. And other than the first half, like, they just didn't look too good. Offensive line was struggling hardcore. Yeah, what's, we, couldn't, what's... we couldn't win the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, that's what all night. first half was awful. Yeah. What is, what's going on with the offensive line? I mean, we've seen some inconsistency galore across this entire team. We've had a poor game offensively against the Chargers, a, a poor game overall against the Colts. Um, we give a, a poor first half outing here against the Raiders. Uh, and the offensive line has been the largest perpetrator of that. Um 
why can we not get consistency? And why is the offensive line the main perpetrator of this inconsistency when they were one of the best offensive lines in the league last year? I think they're just taking some games off. I think they're really underestimating their opponents sometimes. And they think they're a little bit more solid than they are at times. Granted, we had Allegretti in for Trey Smith, so that's a little new for them over there on the right side, but that's still no excuse on the left side. And just the whole entire line, just not not too good right there. I saw on Twitter that uh, Pat came out and said, told the offensive line, hey, we're going to win or lose this game because of you guys. And I think that was right at halftime. So that that shows what it does right there. What a thing to say. It's making some accountability, like, you know, he's been in a situation with bad offensive line play before. And like, hey, I can only do so much if you don't give me any time. Yeah. And I don't uh, think I don't think it was great in the in the second half. Like it was shaky throughout the whole game. But um, to to what you said, Sean, you said the whole offensive line uh, was playing poorly, but that if you look at the numbers, it wasn't necessarily true because yeah. Tooney, Tooney and Creed Humphrey still didn't give up a pressure with how bad uh, the night was. Yeah. So we look at Orlando Brown, Allegretti, and Wiley. Wiley had his hands full with Max Crosby. Allegretti just doesn't bring the level of play that Trey Smith does. And Orlando Brown, while I was kind of pumping the brakes on the hate, Still did not play great last night. Um, I'm Second guessing half was really good. Was it? Second yeah. half was really, really good. I will admit his, his first half awful, not as bad as Wiley, but not good. Second half, one of the better offensive linemen. Uh, he, he did hold his water well. Yeah, and McKinnon's run, I honestly, I think that was just happenstance. I feel like Clyde would have ripped that same run off because the Raiders were, weren't not tackling on that on that play. They were they were they were running alongside of him like they were not. I don't know what was going through their heads. They they just didn't try to tackle Jarek McKinnon. So I mean, take yeah. what they're going to give you. It was also interesting oh. to see uh, Pacheco only have one carry. I was surprised, but I mean, in game you got to ride the hot hand. Yeah, Derek but... ripped off that run, and you got to stick with that. Is it surprising though? Like he's only had two games where he's had a handful of carries, or more than a handful of carries. You go back and you look at Week One against the Cardinals, and you look at Week Four against Tampa Bay. He's got two weeks there where he's handled handled the ball good a good majority of the shares. But you go back in this game, which is close. You go back against the Chargers game, which is close. And you go back into the Colts game, which was close. He didn't touch the ball. He barely got any snaps. I also think it's because of the the way the game shook out. We were down and we didn't see. I think maybe in the first half we saw one under center snap. We were out of the gun the rest of the game. Yeah. Um Pacheco doesn't necessarily although I like him in pass pro and I think he's a sleeper in the pass game um, that doesn't that usually doesn't end up with him getting snaps that's you know McKinnon's also great in pass pro so we're yeah. we, we like him in on passing downs Clyde obviously 
um, is more of a receiving back than he is a running back. Um, so they're going to be in there on those gun plays. But I, I thought it was surprising just because of the, the, the way we've seen him play in recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, ex- I would like for him to be more involved in the offense, but I also have said before that I feel like his involvement is going to come uh, later in the year when we're trying to just grind out the clock and, and, and win games where we're not necessarily putting a bunch of people at injury risk. Before we got to the to half and um, I believe right before the the Chris Jones situation, um, there was the the two PIs by Jalen Watson in a row. Um, he had the first one, which undoubtedly, no doubt, it was a penalty, had to be a PI. But the second one into the end zone, um, underthrown ball, uh, the run into. Uh, Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams, grabbing his helmet, ripping him down to the ground, and then having the the PI on Jalen Watson. What are your thoughts? I, I think that's a penalty that a lot of people are overlooking. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, that was a completely underthrown ball. Completely, it, it hit Jalen Watson in the butt. Yeah. That was another moment where the boos were were raining down in Arrowhead. Um, But I I really feel like that play, regardless of what happened afterwards, I feel like it could have been an offsetting penalty situation where Devontae should have got flagged for something uh, afterwards. Um, But regardless, that type of play, the underthrown go route where the defender's behind you and you just you reach around and like jump into him to get the call. Um, that is really reminiscent of in basketball when you pump fake, get the defender to come up, and then you, you lean in. You lean into him. So uh, that's just part of the game, um, and people are going to exploit that because you can. Well, basketball is getting rid of it. So do you think there's a future rule change for that? There's always rule changes in the NFL. So yeah, but as big of a rule as pass interference. There's got to be there's got to be middle ground. Like I think this is a testing period for the NFL. It has to be, right? Because we're going from being in like what was the really really tough era, no penalties, rip somebody's helmet off as 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 uh uh oh, now I can't even think of his name. As Marshawn Lynch would say, run through a motherfucker's face. Like that's the type of, that's the era that we were in. Right. And we're in this transition period of like, okay, now we have data to back up CTE and like injuries and we need to make sure equipment is safe and correct for, for all this stuff that's happening. And now we need to also evolve the rules and the camera angles and all these sorts of things. We're still transitioning into trying to figure that out now. And the NFL is having to do that on the fly. It's not an easy job by any means. Um, but it's something that's going to have to get modified, reviewed, and done quickly. And that's a lot of things. Not only do they have, you know, the the roughing the passer calls, but they're going to have <clears throat> the uh, pass interference calls. They're going to have holding calls. There is a lot of things going on that the NFL needs to take a look at as we're in this transition period of trying to go through from from very very strong and very rough to 
making the game safe, but yet still playable. And right now we're not at that playable stage. We're just trying to get to the safe stage. I think one of the one of those things that that can show that is look back at the at the Dolphins game on the very first play. Teddy Bridgewater goes down. He's not concussed. It wasn't concussion. He went out and they're just playing that safe because of the issues that happened with the week before and the week before that with Tua. Um, Yeah, but they they said that they had a spotter for him for that. And what's that going to lead to in the future? They always have spotters. Of, spotters yeah. are always there. But if he's a little woozy getting up, if he's just a little woozy, you know, what's stopping offensive linemen from like keeping him down, staying down, like, hey, stop, or picking him up and just carrying him around? There's, be there's part of it. ways around it, no matter what. Well, yes, I, I, but I think that's a little too much. I think they'll probably try and find some way around it. But if you're obviously being carried around by an offensive lineman, um, the spotter is going to be like, hey, watch that. Now, if you're holding him down, give him a second to breathe. Hell, call a timeout. If it's not a concussion, you'll find that out. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> if it is a concussion, you'll still find that one out. Like, take a timeout if you need to and, and let somebody catch their breath. We're just trying to transition and we've got to do a better job. The NFL has to do a better job. Um, we'll go into the second half, obviously coming back out. I think it took five minutes for, for the players to get back out there. And uh, the entire stadium was booing loudly again. Um, what could you see Tybo, um, of that energy that was given by the fans to the players and how that sparked, obviously the momentous come, come back. You know, when, I mean, when he gets rocking, you know, it it even from watching it at home, there were people that just could feel the energy that the players were feeding off of. When Arrowhead really gets going, the players feel it and they respond. And the big time players made the big time plays. Like Pat and Travis just, you know, they they took what the defense gave them. Um, there were plenty of other players that were involved, but the, the main two characters of that second half were Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Um, they showed up when the crowd told them to. They felt it. They listened and, you know, gave us one of the, you know, a greatest performance by the tight by a tight end that, you know, we possibly have ever seen. And that's Patrick Mahomes' largest comeback in regular season uh, in the regular season, it was a 17 point comeback, um, which that's another one in the history books for 15 as he breaks Troy Aikman's touchdown record. In I believe, uh, 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 Josh Briscoe tweeted it out. I think he he broke it in like 66 percent of Troy Aikman's games. Yep, which is ridiculous. He got a big shout out on the Levitard show. Love Josh, that was fantastic, fantastic work from Josh. Um, what but were I heard it was specifically not brought up on the broadcast? Yeah, <laughs> no, they it definitely wasn't it. brought not one second will be talked about that. Aikman is a big, big, big hater of Patrick Mahomes. It's funny. <laughs> There's also another, crazy, another record. Oh, go ahead. Another crazy state. We're probably thinking the same one right here. Following last night's win, the Chiefs are now 12 and 9 with Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback when they're down 10-plus since 2018. 
That same stretch, all of the quarterbacks are 156 and 873 when trailing by 10 plus points. The only one above 500. By a long shot. By a long shot. Not even some people's goats, Tom Brady, is that good. I think his percentage is actually like close to 40%, but still not. Keep in mind that's a fairly small sample size, but it's incredible. Yeah. Um, What were some of the key plays that you guys took away from the second half? Obviously, the Chiefs got better uh, as as the momentum shifted. Um, Juju was a ghost all night. And MVS turned into something I have never seen him do before. I, 90 yards on six catches at one point in the game. I think that was midway through the third quarter. It Clearly, it's not sustainable. We know this. But he was on a different page with Pat last night, man. It was his birthday. Ah, It was, yeah. That's what it was. I mean, you never know. He could show up at different moments, but. I'll have a game here or there, but there's no way that's sustainable whatsoever. But um, what were some of the key key things that you guys saw in that second half as um, Kansas City mounts the comeback long before we get to the final play of regulation? One big one uh, was the, the touchdown, Travis Kelsey, late in the third quarter, whenever he ran across the field. Scored running past three guys. We didn't in the stands. We did not think he was going to get in the end zone. Didn't even look close. I mean, he there was a there was a three man wall of Raiders defenders in the direction that he was going. Not a, I did not expect to see what I saw on that play. <laughs> I believe it was that moment. It may have been a different one, but Pat's over there on the sideline screaming, "I'm here! I'm here!" Directed <laughs> at the Raiders bench and. Whenever you see that, Petty Pat is the best Pat out there. Arrowhead got pretty loud at that point. <laughs> oh, there it is right now. I'm watching it on TV. I'm here. That's good. Uh, I absolutely love when Pat is like on the sideline talking all of his shit, um, using his hands to count numbers right as he walks past the camera. Like there is nothing better than when you see Patrick Mahomes get fired up in like start jawjacking with someone. Ty Bob, real quick, I, I need to counter something you said because you said you said Juju was a ghost. Yes. And he may have only had three catches for 33 yards, but he played his role in that game. He had one drop in the first half. I mean, shaky, pick it up a little bit, but his routes were beautiful. He had he had a catch in the red zone um, that gave us a first down and it came at a crucial point. It, it was, it was part of the comeback. So don't, don't, don't knock him just because he didn't get you or get, get a whole lot of production, but like he played his role well in that game. But Juju, Juju the, does the, that. Yeah. I mean, his routes, his routes looked great all night. Even when he wasn't getting thrown to Juju's routes looked really good. Uh, but two plays uh, that I want to talk about came from McCole Hardman, um, who's still dealing with a little bit of 
injury because he, there was there was a couple moments where he was on the sideline. I didn't see at the game, but had, had saw on Twitter people talking about it. He, there was moments where he was like in pain on the sideline and still went back in. Um, but there was two third down pass plays, both for decent chunks of yards. One of them was like almost 40 yards um, on the third and 17. Um, but he had two third down catches that got us first downs that kept drives going. Um, another player that played his role perfectly in that game. And I also want to point out that this is this is crazy to me. Travis Kelsey only had 25 yards yeah. receiving. <laughs> that is the lowest amount of yardage for having four touchdowns in a game. No, that's possible. The next, no, like, the next one was Jody, 93. Next lowest is Jody, 93. Jody Fortson has got to be pissed, right? It just Travis Kelsey was like, I'm taking your job over tonight. You're not doing anything. And Jody's like, hey, man, this is how I make my living. I'm trying to get another contract out here. Give me the tutties. I will say that brings up that brings up something I do want to talk about is some point in the season, somebody else is going to have to step up in the red zone. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's not going to get four touchdowns a game. So like I I wanted to see Jody more involved in the game. I was I was like ecstatic every time I saw him on the field. Um, but somebody else is going to have to score or catch a touchdown from us in the red zone. Travis Kelsey just he can't be that guy every game, or else he's going to get broken. Call me Jay. Put Kansas City in his top five, and he's actually put Kansas City as his number one destination. Should he be able to choose? Come on in. I'm for it, man. I don't. I don't even care. We're out here trying to win a ring. It's a possibility. Uh, one of the things um, that needs to be talked about: the defense held them to 29 points, um, but did not play great. We have been missing Willie Gay for. Three weeks now, he will be out one more one more week. This is his final week against the Bills that he will be out. And one of the things to look at is our defensive uh, efficiency per play. We have been on a downward trend since Willie Gay was suspended in week two. And it has not looked good. Now, we have had guys step up. We have been playing at a just under par level. I think our EPA is literally minus 0.1. But, uh, or excuse me, just above minus 0.1. But um, it's not not very pretty how the defense is playing out there. Uh, Losing Willie Gay was very big. Um, defensive series results, uh, first giving up a first down or a touchdown. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are all the way down at 26, which isn't good. We give up a first down or a touchdown 75% of the time. Uh, out of that 100%, 75% taken up by a first down or a touchdown. 6% is given up to a field goal. And only 5% of the time are we getting a turnover. Uh, to compound into that, only 14% of the time are we turning it into a punt. So the defense has been on a trend downwards. While the offense has been on a trend upwards, we are number two only behind the Bills in that same court category offensively. of the time we'll get a touchdown or a first down. 7% of that we'll get a field goal. 
3% of the time we do turn the ball over and 10% of the time we do punt. So out of 100% of snaps, uh, nearly 80% of the time we are getting a first down or a touchdown. It's 79%, only 1% behind the Buffalo Bills. If we stay at that clip, it's going to be just enough to win games. <laughs> like Offense is converting 80% of the time while the defense is giving up 75. Like we're just going to be in a bunch of shootouts. Yep. That's only I, what is scary coming into next week as defensively, I told you that the Chiefs were 26th in the league. The Bills are ninth. With a mostly depleted secondary too. Exactly. I, I will say something that we were extremely confident going into this game was our ability to stop the run. We did really – we did serviceably against Jonathan Taylor and we did really well against Leonard Fournette. But Josh Jacobs ate us up all game. We yeah. could not stop the run first half or second half. And that, I mean, it's no secret. That's what op- opens up the offense if the run game gets going. So we're just out there guessing. And it's not looking good, but luckily the Bills don't have a premier running back. We just got to worry about Josh Allen hurdling people. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's get to our players of the game. It cannot be Travis Kelsey. It cannot be Patrick Mahomes. Those are a given. Uh, they both set records on Monday night. Travis with the most touchdowns by, uh, I think, on a Monday night game ever. For me, I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to. George Karloftis. Oh, damn. I thought you were going to say MBS. <laughs> I did too. No, no, no. I'm going to let you guys go offensive side. I have to give I, – I slandered George Karloftis too much. I have to give him some respect for how tough he played in this game. He never gave up. He was in the backfield. While everything else was going wrong for the entire first half, there was not a single play when George Karloftis wasn't in the backfield. George was getting upfield. He was moving his man. He was still pressuring uh, Derek Carr when nobody else was. George Karloftis had a hell of a night, got himself half a sack. Fantastic from George. Look forward to seeing that kid be able to do that a little bit more throughout the season. He's getting a ton of snaps. He's getting a lot of experience. That's just going to help him as we get into the season a little bit later. Am I upset that we don't have a premier first-round pass rusher, like in his value, a little bit? But I'm, I think I'm happy with what he's going to turn out to be. Yeah. As long as he keeps improving obviously. But. Yes, of course. Um, I'm going to cheat and pick two players. I mentioned them earlier. Uh, Tooney and Creed Humphrey. Uh, they, they're they the rock that holds that offensive line together, even through its shaky times. Um, they're, they showed up uh, in a game where maybe not everybody else did, and they're part of the reason why we won that game. I like that. I'm going to go back to defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go Justin Reed. He made some pretty good open field tackles. Josh Jacobs had quite a bit of yardage on him, running full steam at him, and he still was able to stop him. And once he had made contact with him, he only got about two yards off that. It's great to see a safety back there willing to step up and tackle like that. Because I know in years past, he would have scored a touchdown right there. We all know who's giving it up. One or two players, and they're both doing it. Hell, one of them did it this weekend. Shocker. 
Talking about you, Honey Badger. <laughs> Anyways, hey, folks, who, who is legitimately going to throw themselves at DK's leg? No. Please. <laughs> I've, I'm not. Hey, me. Let, al- let alone how old Honey Badger is. I don't blame him for that one. Not He's one only 30 in a few days. Be all right. It's, He's just got football mileage, though, man. Yeah, no, he does. But uh, hey, if you're scared, you got to get out of the league, man. It ain't for you. It's a young man's game. No, that's why he gets all the money right now. He had, he had all the hits when he was younger. He's collecting paychecks now. That's true. Well, folks, we have got a hell of a game coming up for you on Sunday. It's a Chiefs quick turnaround. They get a little less time than the Bills, but nobody really gets one over on us. Uh, this will be the quickest turnaround that we have of the season against an opponent who has a little bit more time than us. Um, Thursday, or, yeah, Sunday Sunday afternoon. It's a uh, 325 game. It's going to be crazy. Tybo will be there, so he will be able to bring us another aspect of how that game will be. Get Big tailgate. Close Big tailgate. Oh, yeah, what are we cooking? Oh, oh shit, yeah. I don't even know. That's that's That was decided by my parents. I haven't asked them. We'll need, to, we'll need to know that for Thursday's show. We get two meals, though. There's breakfast and pregame. Oh, perfect. You got an extra ticket? Uh, anyways, oh, um, make sure to come back in on Thursday evening, uh, Friday morning. Uh, get your fix on the game on how it will turn out. It's a big one, folks. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you're checking us out on YouTube and all audio platforms. You can follow the show and our YouTube, Bob and Bo Show. It's easy to find. But most importantly, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.